Bonjour et bienvenue à Muppet Sational, le podcast Muppet Show, animé par toi et non fan de Muppet. Rejoignez-nous chaque semaine pour plonger dans un épisode de l'émission de variété classique de Jim Henson. Désormais enfant disponible sur Disney+. C'est Simon, c'est la saison 1, épisode 9. Mettons et vedette les Français et séduction, Charles Aznavour. Il est temps de commencer les choses sur les pans chronologiques, exploratoires, conversationnels, Muppetsational! Was that meant to be French? (laughs) What do you mean meant to be French? It was French. Google Translate said it was French. (laughs) I'm going to apologise up the top to anybody who actually speaks French who's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Lewis, that was incredible. That was... Oh no, I can't even say it. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, something like that. I thought of this 10 minutes before we came on to record, so I quickly chucked it into Google Translate. <laughs> and then Peter heard me try to say it. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I'm speaking French. And he's like, that is that is nice. So, we, <laughs> so full disclosure, some of those words were written down phonetically because <laughs> Peter was like, I don't know what running jump you're doing to these words, but this... <laughs> I felt like I was working at Disneyland Paris. <laughs> Bonjour et bienvenue à Space Mountain. <laughs> wow. It was very good, Lewis. Very good. Uh, I I have not got my broadcast information in French, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> that's probably for the best and that's that's all we're getting. But, uh, you know, look, <laughs> just showing that we are uh, très chic, international, <laughs> European, <laughs> despite what 51% of our country wants otherwise. <laughs> so, anyway, welcome everybody. I am Louis. Oh, uh, je m'appelle Louis. <laughs> je m'appelle... I can't even say it. Je m'appelle Jade. Je m'appelle Emma. <laughs> Bonjour! Bonjour! Ça va? Good day. How is your family? Wow, I, I feel like we've just gone completely crazy. This is loopier than the episode we're talking about, which is saying something for the Muppet Show, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Jade, why don't you give us, uh, get us back on track and give us some uh, production information? <laughs> I'll get us back on track. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 28th of November 1976. The production code lists it as the ninth episode made and therefore Disney Plus have included it as episode nine. It was written by the same group that we've seen with the other episodes since the pilot episodes. So Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell. And this one was also directed by Peter Harris. Emma, please enlighten us. Please uh, give us some... Background info on Charles Aznavour, who was a man I did not know at all before watching this episode. (laughs) No, neither did I. So yeah, um, Charles Aznavour was a singer, a composer and a songwriter. And he sung in French and in German, Italian, Spanish, English and in Armenian. And Yeah. And he also was a songwriter for Edith Piaf which is quite interesting. <gasps> oh, that's cool. And he wrote the song She, you know, the one that they're using Notting Hill. She may be the reason. That no one. way. Yeah. Oh so he's pretty God. prolific. And also I read that 
He did a bit of a bit in Las Vegas. He toured a bit with Liza Minnelli, apparently. So, yeah, he's had quite an illustrious career. Wow. That's very cool. That's amazing. Did anybody else... I don't know if you guys felt the same. I had a slight bit of trepidation going into this episode, and I don't know why. Just because I saw his name and I didn't really know who it was and I saw it was kind of like an older guy and I was like oh I don't know what the vibe of this episode is going to be it ended up being a total joy oh see I <laughs> I think we might be disagreeing a little bit oh, on really? this I well I just I mean I did I there were parts of it that I did enjoy don't get me wrong and obviously we'll talk about each each little bit in turn I suppose sort of I guess like two of his numbers especially his main two big numbers that i just i don't know i just found them a bit disappointing i'm so surprised i totally loved this episode well i mean that's good it's good (laughs) we've got we've got something to talk about because i honestly came away and was like i was a bit not worried because we'll always find things to talk about but i was a bit like oh i just found it a bit meh the whole (gasps) not Lewis, you're 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 an Asnavorian. Apparently, I don't know. It's it's the Francophile in me. I don't know. (laughs) Emma, how did you feel? Yeah, I I'm kind of the same as you, Jade. I did feel like it was quite a middle middling Mm. episode. Like there were good bits, but yeah, I just I felt there wasn't a lot of excitement or kind of like muppety joy in some of the sketches and songs. But I have to say, I did enjoy our sort of little first uh, song, I Feel Pretty. I thought that was quite a bizarre little number, but quite funny. And then the fact that Beautiful Day Monster comes in at the end and he's like, I love you. And it's like, aww. But it was a bit (laughs) weird. (laughs) See, I loved it. Even before we got to I Feel Pretty, I I really liked the vibe that this episode had. Like even Kermit's little introduction at the beginning and Fozzie was like peeking Mm. out of the curtain because he wanted to check the house. And I was like, that's, oh, that's a bit of characterization. That's not like a bad little pun or joke happening. And I was like, oh, I don't know, this vibe feels slightly different and interesting for me. And then we went into I Feel Pretty and I totally loved it. It's a song from West Side Story. It's a classic. It seems strange they didn't use it on the Rita Moreno episode, but that's mm. by the by. But it was that thing I'm always asking for where it's like, oh, it's a song, but it's given a Muppety twist. And it was brilliant. It was lovely. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well, I must say. And I was looking it up and it said that apparently they originally did it on Sesame Street with different Muppets. So Ah. it was sort of a rejig of a Sesame Street sketch with, I think, slightly more monstery Muppets. Mm. But the other thing I saw about it, which I thought was really cool, was that Fran Brill, who was the first female puppeteer that Henson hired other than Jane Henson... She did the start of the song and I thought it was really clever how she went, like, you took the nose off, she became really nasally. And yeah. then with all of the different changes to the eyes and the hair and everything, she was sort of changing her voice, you know, getting getting more and more kind of monstery and crazy. Mm. But also something I thought was really, really amazing was when it went to that final purple, furry, crazy Muppet, that was Jim Henson at the end with the really, really deep voice. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was a really, really clever, I suppose, sort of switch up and way of doing it was to actually Mm. have 
Fran Brill getting more and more deep and gruff and everything, but then to finally go to a gym doing an actual proper manly gruff voice. And it really worked and it, it was so seamless. And I'm with you, Lewis. Like, I watched it with my partner, Rich, and he said it was pretty petrifying, which I think he wasn't wrong. It was quite scary <laughs> to was. see that Muppet. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun as well. And it, it was totally in keeping with the sort of, exactly as you said, Muppet take on a classic song. Mm. It worked for me. It reminded me a bit of All of Me, mm. but I felt this was like so much better because it even integrated the bits where the who's that pretty girl in that mirror there what mirror where that's in the song that's actually mm. in i feel pretty and they found a comic take on that it kind of felt a bit drag which mm. sounds funny to say considering what's coming later in this episode but taking a song a classic song from a musical and finding a humorous subversive and potentially slightly frightening twist to it you know it, it felt quite queer in a way and the way that you know this conventionally beautiful female Muppet then became this gruff, sort of furry, green, spiky-haired Muppet. And then she's still found beautiful at the end by the other Muppet that comes in. I don't know. I just had a really good beginning, middle and end. And it was just really funny. And actually took the joke further of the taking on and off of the different body parts than all of me did. I just loved it. And it set me up for this episode, to be honest. Emma, what did you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was quite clever, especially like you say, when it went from like nose off and then nose on and it like the Muppet obviously changed and like developed into the newer Muppet. So yeah, no, I she it was sounded like, like a, she sounded like an actress who plays like Glinda in Wicked when the nose came off. <laughs> you know, yeah. She was like really yeah. high pitched and nasal. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was really clever. And like you said, it was really lovely at the end when I think it's, I think the, the uh, Muppet monster is called Beautiful Day comes in and he's like, you look pretty. And it was like, oh, yeah. it was sweet. It's a good message. <laughs> it was a good message. And I suppose in a way, that's where you can tell it's maybe come from the Sesame Street incarnation. Mm, I, I just really thought it was great. I thought it was lovely. I agree with you, Lewis. I felt like it was actually a quite a strong start to the episode. And also I was quite... Well, I was personally quite pleased when we went backstage and it was Gonzo who was having a runner. Mm. And also that he called out to Kermit immediately that he hadn't had any parts on the show recently because, you know, that's something we have commented on a few times about how yeah. he's not been present. Yeah, I was just really pleased to have him in the runner. Now, I know you're probably going to complain about the fact that his runner was also with Scooter, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I um, I quite enjoyed the runner and I felt like it was a bit of a shame when some of the stuff to do with Gonzo went into the panel show discussion, which was a sketch that I didn't really enjoy very much at all this week. But actually the stuff that Gonzo was doing backstage and... The joke when Scooter said that he was going to get him to do the rock act and Gonzo then just started hitting the rock and yelling, <laughs> art, art. <laughs> I watched the episode twice. That was and, amazing. I love that. Yeah. And both times I was hysterical <laughs> at that. That was absolutely comedy gold. I loved it. It's probably the funniest thing that Gonzo's done on the entire show so far. I mean, so it was good. just, it was just hysterical. I don't know if this is uh, probably not my favourite backstage runner that we've had. I feel like we have had some stronger ones, but I was glad that this one didn't involve Fozzie being weak mm. or worried or whatever. You know, there was only, I think, one reference 
to Scooter's <laughs> uncle. Um, so I was. It felt like again we were getting a bit more character development and character development of a character who we know is going to change quite a bit in the Absolutely. coming episodes and seasons. Yeah. What did What did you both make of it? I really enjoyed it. Actually, like you said, Jade, it was really nice to see a bit of character development for Gonzo and also just to see Gonzo and let him have a bit more of a play and a bit more of an interaction. Mm. And yeah, I just loved it when he was like, "I am an artist," and like. <laughs> The rock art that was just absolutely classic um, emma what did you think of um kermit's characterization in this bit um i don't know i think he was a little bit mean wasn't yes. he he was a bit like he was quite sort of dismissive of gonzo i think and also he was kind of like yeah well you you haven't been on because you haven't been very good and i was I just know. like oh kermit <laughs> It, How could you say that? It felt really harsh for Kermit. Like, it's it's funny. We talk about all of these characters kind of finding their grooves and developing. And it's funny how that Kermit doesn't feel like the right kind of Kermit. Mm. Like, he just feels, yeah, a bit more critical and aggressive, which we later on only get little flare-ups of, whereas this felt a bit more casually dismissive, which feels so strange coming from kermit i think he feels like cynical Mm. he feels like a sort of industry insider who's been there seen it all done it all and is just like oh my god here's another person who thinks that they're an artiste and i can't be dealing with it whereas kermit is very very supportive and wants everyone to do well you know as the frog that we all Mm. grew up with anyway i completely agree with that he seems very just sort of dismissive and not the kind of manager that mm. that you think of Kermit as, really, yeah. I guess. I've just got a shout out my favourite line from this first bit of the runner, which was Gonzo going, I don't play to the masses. <laughs> 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 we're just masses with like a Y after the M. Masses. <laughs> I just thought it was very cute. I liked it. This plays into what I really appreciated again from this episode was that the runner wasn't a bunch of bad puns or misunderstandings it was Mm. all character Mm. development again and it just felt a lot more involved because we can keep the puns and the jokes and the wordplay on stage because it makes sense for them to be occurring there and when we go backstage it now feels like they're using backstage as us getting a peek behind the curtain like us getting to know these individual muppets and members of this troupe it feels a lot more engaging and involving like i i get pulled in a lot more as an audience member with that rather than just having puns flying about everywhere i find i feel like there was a little bit of punning with the fact that gonzo was meant to take everything so literally So it started with Kermit saying, I can lend you my ear for a minute. Mm. And Gonzo was like, what am I going to do with your ear? And and then that was what carried on into the panel discussion, which was what I really didn't enjoy. I wondered if maybe it was just because this runner didn't feature Fozzie Bear, who feels like such a like, I'm trying, waka waka. (laughs) And maybe because those puns were coming out of Gonzo instead and they felt more... Like, the character is just taking it literally and not just like, oh, I'm throwing back a bad pun. Mm. It it worked better for me this week, whereas mm-hmm. I think had that been yeah. fuzzy, I probably would have found it quite grating. Mm. Yeah. No, and, and I suppose in a way, even though it's not the Gonzo character that we know, actually that is part of the character development that they were doing at that time, that Gonzo's this innocent, idiotic mm. Gonzo 
because we don't know what Gonzo is. <laughs> He's a whatever. Um, who who takes everything literally. Like that's part of his character at this moment, isn't mm. it? Even if that's not the character he ends up becoming. Now, a few characters I did find very alarming were the backing dancers for Charles's first number we didn't have oh my goodness oh my god it was they've been multiplying the muppet men (laughs) and now they've got muppet women and they're freaking terrifying oh i know i was watching it and i kind of like you say i don't particularly like the muppet mutation men or whatever they're meant to be muppetoids and then the women oh my god their faces they're so freaky they were like, so super, alarming super freaky and so alarming <laughs> like it's a really sweet song it's actually one of charles's songs that him and mildred are dancing to i thought they were quite sweet mildred made me laugh because i feel like she was totally going for it because normally she's paired up with George yes. she on the dance spots and she was like this is my chance I thought exactly <laughs> the same yeah I thought she was literally just like loving it with Charles but then yeah the the humanoid muppetoid whatever they were they were just super super freaky I think it would have worked if they had kind of like more of the normal like muppet crew mm. dancing in pairs it just and the the faces especially of like the women ones oh they were not good. They didn't have a mouth. When those two women Muppets came over and got either side of Charles's arm, I was like, <laughs> Charles, you're in danger, girl. Like, get out of there. Like, they're going to eat you or, t- or take your mouth because they don't have one. I know. Like, with the men, I think because they had moustaches, they didn't look that bad. But the women with no mouths, it was just like, ooh, no. <laughs> I didn't understand why they didn't have mouths. They looked so weird. And also their eyes were basically in their big 70s fringes. So most of the time they just looked like blank foam heads with, you know, crazy wigs on the they top. They looked like and also soft I plush just... autons from Doctor Who. That's what they looked like. They were just, <laughs> ugh, just very alarming. I also just had a bit of a moment of realization of what it must be like for those performers with those heads on and then i started to spiral thinking about what it must be like to put one of those muppet heads on and the fact that like can you i mean you obviously can breathe and you must be able to see but i just i just started like i mean because it's not like a big mickey mouse head or something that you'd put on where you obviously have quite a lot of room between your face and mickey's nose or whatever like this is like a very tightly fitted foam head that essentially looks like it's like skin tight. I mean, it's like a helmet, isn't it? It's. I started yeah. to properly, I wasn't quite having palpitations, but they were starting to rise. And I was like, God, if these Muppets don't get off screen soon, I'm going to freak out big time. But yeah, Ugh. despite their presence, Ugh. I have to agree, Emma, Mildred and Charles's rapport together was utterly charming. And I did think when we went to the ballroom sketch later, you could visibly see that Mildred was pissed to be paired back with George after this marvellous <laughs> two and a half, three minutes that she just had with uh, with Charles. Why do all songs from like this period seem to have patter in them? What is it about old standards that need to have like 45 seconds where you just monologue to the audience? <laughs> it's like all songs from that time. I thought about that too. I was like, I was like, oh god, here we go with some little patter in the middle of this. But I am um, when I looked up the song that so it's called The Old Fashioned Way, apparently it was in the UK charts for 15 weeks, which back then that's I mean, so this was obviously like an enormous smash of a song at the point that 
Charles Aznavour released it because 15 weeks in the charts. Then, that's like that's... Umbrella. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I still enjoyed the number. Maybe because I felt like I was in danger somehow because of those backing dancer Muppets. But I did then have this heightened sense of enjoyment for what was happening in the foreground. I still really liked it, despite them. I enjoyed Mildred. Like, I was glad that Mildred was there with her her dress that I can only describe as looking like a picnic blanket. Um, you know, <laughs> or something just big and billowing. And or just... something that Penelope Keith would have worn on The Good Life. Like, <laughs> yeah, her head exactly. poking over the... Uh, over the fence being like fence. good evening Barbara yeah yeah good evening Barbara good evening Tom yeah it was it was very Margot very Margot led better I guess because the only thing that was really a twist on the song in a way was the fact that you had the the humanoid Muppets and then Mildred who they were still just sort of dancing in the old-fashioned way as the song goes and I I agree that there was there was some nice moments between Charles and Mildred but I just found it a little bit bland. Like there wasn't quite enough going on. I would have liked it if there'd been a bit more. Well, not that I wanted to see the humanoid Muppets. More Muppets. More humanoid Muppets. Just an entire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, just just the, the, the fact that like when they tried to steal him away and then he came back to her and everything like. I feel like there could have been more interplay of that sort of nature where it was just riffing on it a bit more rather than it just essentially being... I think if we'd had more of those human... A, just a ballroom dance. Yeah, but then I think if we'd had more of those humanoid Muppets trying to drag him away, then it would have fully had descended into horror movie territory rather than... <laughs> no, I don't... I, I'm categorically saying I do not want more humanoid Muppets. I They are the last thing I want to see more of, especially those women ones. Like, oh my Imagine God. Having... I not good. You put one of those faces on and then looking at yourself in the mirror. I don't know who did that. <laughs> no, Lewis. Or looking no, in the mirror and seeing like... one staring back at oh. you. Just... <laughs> don't have nightmares. What, like, um, <laughs> is that like a man or Muppet situation where one day you look in the mirror and you just see one of the humanoid Muppet faces looking back at you and you're like, <gasps> it's uh, happened. It's fully I happened. I don't know what would be worse, looking directly at you or standing just behind you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Jade looks really scared now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Jade, look behind you. <laughs> There's nothing there. We're on Zoom. I can oh, yeah. see. <laughs> Siban. Thank God. <laughs> I, I think I was just fully freaked out by the by the Muppet men and ladies, to be honest, to fully appreciate anything else that was going on. Fair enough. <laughs> no one would hold that against you, to be fair. <laughs> Good, they better not. <laughs> Don't hold a Muppet man against you either. <laughs> so spongy. I quite enjoyed the little Statler and Mordorf runner this week with the French fries and the pig's tongue and the, I don't get that. You didn't order any. And then it was just... Oh. <laughs> it was quite a... I mean, they were short and sweet, but I enjoyed it when they showed up each time. I loved it too. It made me hungry. <laughs> Not for pig's tongue, but as soon as he said French fries, he's like, you didn't order any. I suddenly felt the disappointment you have when you don't order a good side dish. <laughs> when you, you know when you're yes. at a restaurant and you see what somebody else is ordering, you go, damn it, I should have got <laughs> I know, it's like when you when you order like the spring greens and the rice, then you're just like, I wish I had the French fries. <laughs> Look, Emma, that was one holiday and I was trying to maintain my waist. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 
That was one two-week holiday in Orlando, and I had recently lost about three stone, and I didn't want to suddenly pile it back on just by having... One lot of french fries. I don't think that was going to make you put on three stone, Lewis. I mean, It's a slippery slope, Jade. (laughs) You don't know where it It starts with just a small side portion of fries next to your salad, and then it just becomes like an entire rack of ribs at Tony Roma's. I have to say, like, yeah, I mean, Florida, I probably spiralled. I had, like... Starbucks and frappuccinos and everything, and I've not had those for years. So. <laughs> On account of your diet. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at the pretty Mickey Mouse cup. I will have one of those, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that's the problem. So then, yeah, just having to order salad greens which even then still have butter in them but i don't know somehow it feels like vaguely better we are going off track i also enjoyed (laughs) statler and wardorf i'm sure statler and wardorf have had these issues too you know at some point they probably couldn't actually get out of their box because they'd eaten so much and then they were like oh We'll get the salad. (laughs) I thought you meant dieting because I did, I don't know if either of you have seen this online, but somebody posited this like theory that Statler and Waldorf are actually the true gay representation in the Muppets rather than Ernie and Bert because they're two (laughs) elderly catty men who have what seems to be season tickets to a box at the theatre and they just, (laughs) all they do is insult people (laughs) and just sort of like set up each other's zingers and it was just kind of like... Oh yeah, why do we think it's Bert and Ernie when it's uh, when it's clearly these two caustic old men? It's <laughs> aspirational, frankly. <laughs> You'll get there one day. <laughs> Emma, I assume you must have been overjoyed at the uh, at the return of the next sketch. It was Veterinarian's Hospital. Yay! Yay! Doctor Bolt was back. <laughs> Emma, what did you think? It was so good to see. I was sad that it was so short, though, to be completely honest. Um, It was really good. I love the fact that you kind of like started with Piggy and then she was following the line of like the oxygen and there was like Rolf breathing in the uh, oxygen. And then... Huffing the fumes. The fumes, yeah. No, it was good. It had a good gag on it about his dead patient saying like, nine out of ten and then he was like well done dr bob and he's like but this is my tenth (laughs) you kind of had like the little pause and the cliffhanger and then obviously you had voiceover guy again and i loved their reactions to it it's so good and you know looking around and like miss piggy in next week's episode and she's like what what's happening (laughs) i love it i love dr bob uh, you know I do. Um, I just do. wish it was a little bit longer. <laughs> they can't all be 40-minute Grey's Anatomy episodes, Emma. They have to be slightly more concise. <laughs> we wouldn't get anything else in. Oh, I know. But it was still fun to see them because we haven't seen them for so long. I am slightly doubting uh, Miss Piggy's nursing credentials when she went to check for a pulse and put her her ear... <laughs> To the gentleman's ankle. <laughs> it's like, I loved that. that. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. It reminded me of Scuttle in The Little Mermaid. You know, when he lifts up Eric's foot oh, yeah. to his ear and I think he's like checking for a heartbeat and it's like, no, there's no heartbeat. He's a goner. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, Piggy. <laughs> you went to the same school as a, a Scuttle for your medical training. Congratulations. <laughs> it's what they call in The Simpsons Hollywood Upstairs Medical College, which is where Dr. Nick Riviera went to. <laughs> 
Janice's voice is slowly seeming to yeah. transform into the Janice we recognise. We've lost the British inflection, but we haven't quite got to, who was that strange blue creature? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sort of somewhere edging towards. My favourite Janice bit was just when she had to um, flick her hair out of her face because yeah, she her got hair. some in her mouth yeah. and she was just <laughs> flailing from side to side. I thought that was really funny, not least because I was obviously like, whoever was puppeting her was like, oh no, I can't leave that yeah. strand of yellow. I need to like, oh, flick it away, flick it away. It was very good. I always sort of forget that they must obviously have monitors yeah. clearly in view for themselves. It's not it's not like going to a Punch and Judy show, do you know what I mean, where you're just doing the little gestures and you, you just know what your hands are doing. They're both doing that, but also fully watching it at the mm-hmm. same time, which I suppose because it's more complex puppetry is more necessary than a seaside punch and judy show but it was just one of those moments where i was like oh yeah they must clearly be able to see what they're doing i sort of took that for granted sometimes they are definitely watching back on the monitor Mm. and you you see it with little moments like that where it feels like janice is actually a real human Mm. who's just caught herself in the mirror on the monitor and it's like oh oh (laughs) i need to sort my hair real quick oh sorry sorry yeah, yeah I, it was a really, I think that was quite a clever moment, actually, because like we said, when we've seen it before, where especially when we've seen like Rolf play on the piano, it's really intricate detail that you can really tell that the craft and the time and effort that goes into mm. it is like really there. The puppeteering felt really strong this week. I don't know if you guys felt the same, just on all levels, even as we got into, I mean, I won't jump to ahead but even the ballroom sketch didn't seem quite as chaotic Mm. this week like everything just felt slightly more elevated yeah no I agree I thought there was really there was some really really nice puppet work and yes again we'll Mm. get into it but particularly Frank Oz as Piggy in the talk spot I just thought was hysterical (gasps) and just yeah, really really I mean, great i'm not that's yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah put a pin in that jay we'll get there we'll get there because first we've got to take a visit to uh charles's uh, dressing room where hilda was delivering him a beautiful continental meal <laughs> hilda wardrobe mistress and chef extraordinaire apparently <laughs> yeah, so this poor put upon woman i don't know <laughs> It made me suddenly wonder, like, oh, wait, maybe she isn't the costume mistress, as I assumed. And then they did introduce her later on as... And I was like, I knew it! (laughs) I don't want to give away my MVMP too quickly. But the second that camera cut to that talking French bread, I almost fell clean off my chair. I was just... (laughs) Peter and I were just... I knew it. As soon as I saw that, I was like, Lewis is going to love this. (laughs) It was so cute. It was like the cutest thing I've ever seen. I didn't know whether I wanted to hug it or eat it. It was just... I was the same. It was absolutely adorable. And and with his little French accent and and talking French, I was like, oh, yay! Charles has got a friend on the show. (laughs) And it was a really nice bit of backstage business Mm. using the host. And it felt a bit different because before the most we've had is the host coming out of their dressing room to applause to head to their first number. But I think I actually preferred it this way around where we saw the guest on stage first and then we got a bit of business with them backstage. It just felt a bit more organic. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this definitely felt a lot less sort of 
set up than either those bits of backstage that you said about when you know when they've had the applause and them kind of swanning around in their dressing gown or obviously those tiny little sketches with sweetums or something where you've had one line kind of set up punchline even Juliet Prowse with the Muppet feather boa you know like there's Mm. it's essentially the same thing but because it's set backstage and also because it's kind of set in the world of Charles Aznavour having a meal brought to him it just worked didn't it it just totally worked hang on a minute why didn't Swedish chef bring him the food well there's the question isn't it Maybe maybe they thought it would just be <laughs> too bizarre if we had, like, Swedish chef plus talking. Because I suppose there haven't been any talking fruits or vegetables with Swedish chef yet. He has just been cooking. Maybe they worried that it would make Swedish chef look a bit more like a, I don't know, a heartless murderer if if he then sort of was bringing this bread to be eaten that he knew had a soul and a conscience. <laughs> so they just gave it to Hilda. <laughs> Also, maybe just the double whammy of having Swedish chef doing his and then the French, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe they wouldn't have actually been able to get the uh, get the, get the setup across. <laughs> it would have just been Charles having to listen to. Oh, you say you've brought me a, a French, French breakfast. <laughs> The French bread was, I want a plush toy of it. I want it on a t-shirt. I want a Funko Pop of it. Like, I don't know, branch out. Just give me all of the French bread merch. Just, I want it. And I felt like, I don't know what you both thought, but I actually, I'd say this is the ballroom sketch that I've enjoyed the most so far. Same. And can you also guess why? Because it had a sentient banana in it. Yay, the banana <laughs> and the rat as well. <laughs> I what a treat! I mean, I felt I was I was being fed today. I truly <laughs> was. Just... Even though it wasn't the shortest of the ballroom sketches that we've had so far, it had a real pace to it. I also, mm. I mean, I really thoroughly enjoyed the banana and the rat. That was a really great little combo and pairing. They were lovely, and the gags were decent. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe we just all love a banana pun, but appealing and make like a banana and split and everything, which is now, a joke. I've definitely made yes. these jokes on the <laughs> podcast, and I got zip from either of you. <laughs> yeah, but Lewis, you're not an adorable talking banana. I'm sorry, it's just different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? These the like the gags with the appeal and split, they always make me think of Back to the Future. Yes! <laughs> when George gets the gags wrong. No, sorry, not George. Oh no, it's not George, it's Biff. When Biff is like, I'm gonna make like a tree and split, and then I'm gonna make like a banana and leave, and then something yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. But every time I hear these gags, it just makes me think of that moment in the film. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. It's all I can think. But yeah, I mean, Banana and Rat were great. And Ginger Chorus Muppet Girl got her revenge on Animal. Yeah, I loved that. I thought that was genius. The the reversal of her saying, do you know what it's like to dance with you? And then doing it. But then also him obviously being over the moon that someone was doing one, two, three dip back to him. <laughs> Animal was in his element. He was like, yes, he was. soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the best ballroom sketch we've had so far. Definitely in my book. Not going as far as to say it was one of my highlights of the episode, but considering there were definitely moments in the episode I did not really enjoy, this was solid for me. This was totally solid. Yeah. 
Jade, your mum's going to be overjoyed she that we've is. Finally, finally given a <laughs> Yay, positive Tracy. review to a ballroom sketch. <laughs> Come on, Tracy. Shout out. Just to put that in context, so I don't think we've talked about this on the show. My mum <laughs> said to me the other day that she thoroughly disagrees with us about the ballroom sketch and that she really does enjoy the puns. But she did grow up watching the Muppet show in the 70s. So, you know, that's just her sense of humour, to be perfectly honest. But yes, mum, I liked this one. <laughs> Rather than our sophisticated 90s <laughs> yes. tastes. You know, us six and seven-year-olds sitting down to watch <laughs> Frasier of an evening. <laughs> so there we go. We all enjoyed the ballroom sketch. That's the first time for everything, eh? Isn't it? Now, can I guess, because I didn't do the research, but I assume one of you did. Were the Hick Muppets the UK spot for this week? Yes. Emma, you can't just nod. You have to say it into the (laughs) microphone. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they were. (laughs) Yeah. Why do we keep getting these hick Muppets? Is it just because Jim Henson can play a banjo? I don't know. Like, (laughs) I didn't mind this. At least it was quite sort of upbeat. And I mean, the song was just preposterous. Does your chewing gum lose its flavour on the bedpost overnight? I think it sounded a bit filthy, to be honest. (laughs) And also it just didn't end. They started doing the patter right at the end. It was like, and then here's another joke that we're talking about. And here's a joke and boop and doo. And here's it sounded like the end of the song. And here's another joke. And here we go again. And And I was like, just end. (laughs) Just finish. (laughs) You stupid hick Muppets. Just get get it back in your pickup truck and go get Lana Del Rey and get the hell out of here. (laughs) (sighs) That's all I have to say on them. I'm done. <laughs> Emma, anything to add about the bumpkins? No. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on then. <laughs> I feel like I should have a gavel. Like, and then calls to the end of the discussion of the Hickam Muppets. Move it along. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, let's move along because it goes straight into the chat with Charles and Kermit wearing a gorgeous jacket. That double-breasted striped jacket was lovely. I really wanted one. Now, objective question to you both. Is Charles Aznavour an attractive man? I mean, no. No. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> maybe I'll just keep my opinion to myself then. Because, I don't know, girls. I just, during this little chat segment, I, I felt like Miss Piggy. I just felt this slight, like... Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> it was just the French it's accent, the French Lewis. Accent. That was all it was. He said, but he's so relaxed. And I don't know, from that angle and maybe the jacket, I, I got a vague attraction to him. Look, I'm not, I'm just being honest, all right? It went, it did, the attraction disappeared when we got to the last number completely. But in this chat segment, I was with Miss Piggy, Charles Aznavour, like, Charles Aznavour, it's like, oh wow, <laughs> no. Look, I it it was working. I don't know. I don't know why, but it did. I understand. I do, I do not find him attractive. I'm prefacing this with that, <laughs> but I understand what you mean about he had a very relaxed, confident demeanor about him, which I can see the kind of appeal. Yes, I don't mean like I would look at him on the street and be like, damn. I just mean like. <laughs> Do you know, like, I'm not saying, like, I would look at him in a bar and be like, ooh, I'm going to talk to him. Yes. I meant, like, over this couple of minutes, I just found myself 
kind of attracted to him. Like in that way that you sort of, you know, when you meet somebody, you're like, oh, I'm not sure how I feel about this person. And you slowly get charmed by them. You're like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) Like, that's how I felt with Charles Aznavour. He did have a, he definitely did have charisma. Mm -hmm. I will give him that. Absolutely. And I think he was... The, the the ease with which in this setup he was playing with saying the what was it the num the number for the garbage dump <laughs> and telling Miss Piggy that her transmission was broken and that she needed an oil changing on her car and whatever and the the ease with which he was doing that in a very sort of flirtatious manner yeah. and then flipping back and forth with Kermit telling Kermit really what he was saying I think it was charming Lewis thank you you're Give right it that. was there there was a charm to it but it was also I don't know. I did. I did just find it very sort of seventies. I guess with how he looked and his kind of older, older man persona. There's nothing wrong and... with an older man, Jade. <laughs> no... no, I'm not saying there is anything wrong with an older man. I'm just saying that I personally didn't find him attractive. <laughs> Sorry, I just hit the table. I don't know how it's going to sound on the mic. <laughs> Emma, no feelings at all for Charles Aznavour. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you philistines. You just you just don't get it. Like But I tell you, Emma, how incredible was Miss Piggy in this segment? Oh my goodness. She went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she was like all over him. I think at one point she like oinked. She did. And, she like, oinked again she this just, week. She oinked again. Yeah, she did. She just went full on crazy she was hysterical it was such a funny reaction so over the top and so piggy it was really good and just so clever like the fact that you said you had obviously charles like you said jade saying like the telephone number and then like this really random sentence and she's going absolutely nuts and then you have (laughs) him just saying what he said to kermit and it was just really good like it's the a perfect setup. It was really fun yeah it was a really good setup jd was saying about the puppeteering yeah i mean she was raunchy she was quivering and she was panting i mean she was it was essentially orgasming I mean, she was she was a wet ass piggy she was a wet ass piggy this a wet ass piggy 100 a wet ass piggy and I was just cracked up because I was like, you said it was full on piggy, Emma, but I actually think this is like in the Disney sanitized world that we live in now, piggy could not be that riled up. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, she, yeah. She would not be climaxing. She like, she would not be as fully climaxing on a guest. Do you know what I mean? She'd give as good as she would get. Do you know what I mean? Like, so she would yes. be flirting back with him. But this, like, when she was like panting and the hand went to her forehead, yeah, and she was like, like, shuddering she was pulling faces as well like she was kind of like i don't know whether it's the equivalent of like biting her lip or what but her face was contorting as she was sort of shivering and quivering as she was panting i mean it was just it was hilarious it was really i mean i'll have what she's having like whatever (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's clear apparently i'll have a slice of charles asnavors with a little french bread on the side (laughs) oh adorable (laughs) I thought the puppeteering was was absolutely phenomenal in this. Yeah. And the finish where she came on and gave Kermit a yeah. proper hiya. And then stamped on him after she'd hiyahed him as well, which I was... Because <laughs> I just curb stomped him. Like, <laughs> just like... Ugh. It was fantastic. He, I mean, he was rude. He did say, what was it? He said, one man's poison is another man's bacon. So she was totally within her rights to go and hiya and stomp oh, for him. Sure. Rude little bullfrog. 
Kermit's Kermit's not having a good week. <laughs> He's a Taurus. It's a Taurus coming out in him. It must be it must be something to do with Jupiter just like coming in out of his uh, Mercury was in retrograde or something. <laughs> that was it. Jesus, I was just chucking out a planet like Mars was in uh, Hoopla. Fifth and... house. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dawning of the age of the Aquarius. Um, I. I was trying to work out whether this was actually my favourite chat segment that we've had so far. Because it was just... Mm. The only ones I could think that might have caused more of a reaction from me were Connie Stevens. But again, absolute filth. (laughs) And then I think that... I think it might be my favourite chat segment, genuinely. And I think, again, that's why I really liked this episode so much. Like... No sketch apart from the Hick Muppets to me felt wasted. Oh, I t- no, that's I mean that categorically that's not how I feel, and and I feel like the start of the episode was stronger than the back half, which we're obviously getting into now. Um, the talk spot was definitely the highlight for me, absolutely, and I was really really glad that we had it in there. But <laughs> that's we can we can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we go back. We go backstage after this, and apparently Kermit the Frog hates drag, which to me <laughs> is incongruous because I've seen him duet with RuPaul on at least two separate occasions. So this made absolutely no sense to me that he didn't like Gonzo and drag. I think maybe in Kermit's mind, it was just like the escalation of <laughs> Gonzo's gone from hitting rocks and yelling art <laughs> to now <laughs> he's come out in this female blonde wig and green dress and little orange bow and he looked like <laughs> just... you know when Drew Barrymore dresses up E.T. Yeah. E. oh my god that is exactly what he looked like you're right <laughs> <laughs> oh and like, he's like oh god <laughs> he's like Elliot <laughs> He wants to call somebody. Oh. One of my favourite lines ever from any film. True Barrymore. <laughs> You're right. That is exactly what Gonzo looked like. He looked like a little E.T. dressed up by no. Drew Barrymore. Mm. Now, Hilda knew what was up when she was talking to Kermit because she very dismissively, when talking about Scooter, went, the nephew of the theatre owner? And I was like, yeah, Hilda, you know this is unfair <laughs> because you've clearly been in this business for... 50 plus years and you know about all this kind of uh, entitled nepotism that goes on you've just been squirreling away as a costume mistress slash chef and this little upstart <laughs> comes in it's <sighs> she knew she knew she did know and as soon as i heard her say that i was like oh lewis is gonna be all over this <laughs> <laughs> i'm just finding people who also allay with my is that the right word align there are other people who align with my anti-scooter pov yeah it was i did question where it kind of came from in and then also because we didn't then see gonzo on stage in drag which was obviously what kermit said he was going to do he was like okay you can go on it was an interesting escalation of the backstage runner Mm. without then because then we did see gonzo in the panel discussion which is the next sketch but mm, he obviously he was just in his normal busted <laughs> outfit, not as not in drag. Busted outfit. I was like, he had gelled hair and was wearing shorts. <laughs> he had a guitar <laughs> and bad highlights. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been to the year three thousand. I mean, Gonzo probably has been to the year three thousand. I'm just gonna put I was gonna that say, out there. That's probably where Gonzo's. <laughs> came probably from. where he came from. <laughs> it's where he gets his ideas from. <laughs> now, I do not understand why you 
I, well, I'm speaking of Jade. I don't know, Emma, how you felt, but I really <laughs> enjoyed this panel show this week. Okay, so the question was meant to be, what is man's role in the universe? And to start with, I felt like Hilda was being quite wise. She was saying that it was something that man had contemplated for many a year. And then she started insulting Gonzo, saying that it was above his head. And then that led to the first bit of Gonzo nonsense, which was him ducking underneath the table. And essentially... Uh, That was very cute, though. I mean, he looked all right, but my problem with it is then that what it then led to from there with him hopping and with him trying to mallet the table and him malleting Sam the eagle. I don't know. I just felt like it really, to come back to what you mentioned earlier, Lewis, about the puns, it felt very one note. It felt very just sort of on the nose. It didn't really seem to gel as a panel discussion i found it weird that mildred was there but she didn't say anything until the very very end it was almost like she wasn't there at all also when we've had the panel discussions before we've always had the guest host involved and i was curious as to why charles wasn't involved i don't know i just honestly i just didn't really enjoy it at all i just found it a bit tedious yeah <laughs> Emma, I would like to hear your opinion before I give my thoughts on the panel show. Um, I don't know. Uh, I I kind of enjoyed Sam the Eagle. It was nice to see him again, like just having a bit of interaction and a bit of fun. Mm. Normally, we only see him kind of like introducing Wayne and Wanda or just popping up in kind of random <laughs> bits. But yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of a bit on the fence on, on this one because like you said, Jade, it was quite like pun driven and it was a bit odd that like Charles wasn't involved because mm. I think that would have been quite funny. He could have like played up like the French accent element of it again or just like, especially since, you know, we had Mildred dancing with him earlier on in the show. I think that could have led to something quite funny. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It just felt like it kind of just slightly missed a mark there. But obviously, uh, Lou, you've got a slightly different opinion. See, I just really enjoyed it. I didn't even notice the lack of a Charles Aznavour. And I felt like all of the panel guests sort of did contribute something. And the fact that Gonzo took Hilda's insult of him literally played into what we'd seen of him earlier and then just like was bringing up the anarchy and the chaos while they were trying to have this discussion i agree it was really nice to see sam the eagle although how big did sam the eagle look in this panel discussion he looked huge he's a big muppet he's a really big muppet yeah he is but i never really clock it properly but like he's a he's a big boy like i was like good (laughs) lord (laughs) like (laughs) All how wide his wings go. Like, it was crazy. But no, I mean, I just thought there was really nice, consistent character work. And Gonzo was being mad. And Sam, like, putting his head into his hands, being like, what are we doing here? And, you know, Hilda is still a bit malleable at the moment. So, you know, I didn't really mind her sort of being maybe a bit patronizing to Gonzo, particularly after she had seen he was attempting to like change his act via scooter. So maybe that's why she was being patronizing to him. And, you know, Mildred's little interjection, I didn't mind. I just really felt it was fun and a bit madcap and, and I liked it. And, oh, no, that wasn't, oh, hang on. I've just realized um, Sam didn't say, what are we doing here? That was Kermit's thing of, oh, and next week we'll be discussing yeah. what, what are we doing here? Yeah, and I thought that was a great button. Cause it was like, oh, the, so the, the whole point was it was meant to descend into nonsense, but I found it 
enjoyable nonsense compared to some nonsense that we seem to get in other episodes, which feels so like 1970s, bizarre, kind of like, kind of humor do you know what I, I was gonna say do you know what i mean but maybe you didn't by me just making three noises <laughs> it was nonsense that made sense to me and i just found it really fun and i and i thought the interplay between the characters was good and i've i found myself kind of bored at other panel discussions both in in, in and out of the muppets but this one i i felt was engaging i, I mean i feel like i've enjoyed most of the other ones like Ruth Buzzy's one was really good fun and that descended into complete chaos see I disagree I found that one annoying apart from her um, impressive yoga moves <laughs> I, I don't know I just I just liked it it's all right you're allowed to enjoy it <laughs> and I did <laughs> I can find Charles Aznavour charming and I can find a panel show engaging <laughs> I also thought that this was the perfect amount of Fozzie Bear as he currently exists for an episode of The Muppet Show. Emma, what did you think of Fozzie's stand-up this week? Yeah, I, I thought it was really good, actually. I really thought his like interplay with um, Statler and Wardorf was really funny. And the fact that they kept like jumping in to like end his jokes and he was just getting like frustrated and they were like ha 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 <laughs> he was like please don't stop and it yeah I just thought it was probably like one of the strongest fuzzy comedy act endings of a show that we've seen for like a long time I think it was mm. he tried to do his gags and then obviously Statler and Wardorf kind of jumped in and then they started just telling the ends of the gags before he even got a chance to say anything and I just thought it was quite a clever and quite like a good kind of like difference to what we normally see from Fozzie because like sometimes it can be a bit flat and then that flattens the end of the episode. So yeah, no, I thought it was a, a really good Fozzie sketch this week. Mm. Jade, what did you think? I I didn't not enjoy it and I totally get what you're saying, Emma, and hearing you say it makes me think that, I don't know, I just, I didn't feel like there was something quite working with when Statler and Waldorf took over. I could see that that was happening. I understood that that was what was happening. But I don't know if there was something lacking in Fozzie's response to it that made it not quite land in exactly the way that I sort of... I don't know if it almost felt a little bit rushed to me, the way that that, the sketch kind of ended. It just didn't quite 100% work for me. I do... I totally Mm. think that this is... In terms of the Fozzie, Statler and Mordorf interplay, I think we're we're certainly getting there. It feels better than yes. it has in previous episodes. Yeah. And I'm he's not... not as much of a sad sack. Yes. Yeah. He's trying to give back as much as he's getting mm. from them. And it feels like they're on a slightly more even footing. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's just that it still felt like Fozzie, because Fozzie was still saying like, oh, I've got one up on you when he obviously didn't. Mm. But then it... something didn't quite click for me with this mm. either. And I think off the back of the panel discussion, which, as I've just said, I didn't really enjoy at all. I don't know, I was a, just a little bit disappointed that it didn't seem to be, like, for me, the comedy and the humour wasn't quite hitting the right notes. Um, Lewis, what did you make of it? For me, it was a combination of, much like Emma said, I liked that Fozzie wasn't as much of a sad sack or, like, so, like, lame. But then the twist on the end of this kind of weekly setup where... This week, Staller and Waldorf just started doing the material. Mm. I felt was an, an interesting turn for it because we haven't seen that yet. 
And I, I can see what you mean that perhaps maybe it didn't land fully, but compared to other weeks where the entire sketch doesn't land for me, I found this a better version. Because some weeks it literally is, Fozzie comes out with bad jokes, Statler and Waldorf's comebacks and zingers aren't particularly strong either, and we're just sort of stuck in what feels like two minutes of dead air. Mm-hmm. Whereas this the jokes that both were trying to give were good. And yes, maybe the narrative of the two and a half minute sketch itself didn't fully stick the landing, but I found it much more engaging from a character perspective and, you know, on some jokes as well. I thought some of those were actually pretty good. So yeah, I can take your point, Jade, but I I, I, I think this was just a, a better use of Fozzie and Statler and Waldorf's moment in the episode this week. Actually, now you've said that, that's made me think that that idea of them being the ones that take over from the jokes they just didn't as you said stick that landing quite well mm. enough for me there was like it wasn't a very clear transition yeah i mean it was obviously it was clear that that was what was going on but it wasn't heightened to make it the full comedic impact of what that could have been i don't know there could have been a bit of like shushing fozzy and telling him that it was their time or something or like mm. you know like oh we're yeah, have I, a you know spotlight I mean? fall onto them or something yeah, yeah just something making it that much more comedic and humorous that they'd stolen the show from fozzy mm. we get the um we get the finish of the runner just after Stadler and waldorf and i have to say perhaps maybe one of the strongest puns i think we've had on the muppet show so far he ate the contract I hope it wasn't binding. It was very good. I enjoyed gold. it Gold. <laughs> Absolute gold. I'm like, that's going into my repertoire. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's one I'm just going to keep in the little Joan Rivers joke boxes inside my head to just try and like pull out at any possible occasion. Although I don't know what contracts I'm going to be signing where I then try and eat. Anyway, I will find a way. <laughs> but I just thought Peter and I burst out laughing at that one. We we're just like, ah, good pun, good pun. It also just feels like a pun that would still be made today. Yes. Rather than a lot of them that feel very dated. That could turn up on any show right now and no one would bat an eyelid, would they? Frasier could say that to... What's the name, Emma, what's the name of the dog in Frasier? Eddie. Eddie. Like, Eddie would eat a contract of Frasier's and he'd be like, well, I hope it wasn't binding. <laughs> you would. It was great. And it gave the runner... A very solid beginning, middle, end. Yes. Gonzo is trying to find new management. Middle, Scooter is now his manager and he's trying out being in drag. Finish, Scooter is no longer Gonzo's manager because Gonzo ate the contract. But I'm just, clap hands, (laughs) we're done. Boom. But also very sitcom in that you're exactly back where you started at the start of the episode. You know, you've gone through this runner, but nothing has actually changed other than we have had a little bit of character development for Gonzo. It's a B-plot. It's a solid B-plot. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Very satisfying. Mm. Now, something that was very satisfying for Peter and this, (laughs) I have to, um, (laughs) I have to actually bring back a segment called My Stupid Boyfriend. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It's called Did Peter Notice? Did Peter Notice? Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, because the stupid boyfriend this week was me. Because. (laughs) Did Lewis notice? (laughs) In the final song with Charles Aznavour, I, for the entire time, thought the song was called Each Word and not Inchworm. Inchworm. (laughs) Which. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, Lewis. There was a worm on his hand. Yeah, I got that, Emma, but he was also sitting outside of a school, okay? Like, you know, I was thought, oh, they're learning something and maybe he's saying each word. Look, I said, oh, that was nice, but it was a bit weird. And he was like, oh, no, I loved it with the little inchworm. And I went, inchworm. <laughs> like, I was... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, my stupid boyfriend this week uh, is me. (laughs) And um, this was actually the only bit that I I didn't mind this song. I found the child chorus entirely disturbing. I found the entire thing very creepy. (laughs) I was getting real Hansel and Gretel vibes from that school. And I found out that the Muppet who was the teacher who was in Silhouette... Her name is Zelda Rose, and I was slightly concerned about her, I'm not going to lie. Why was her nose so phallic? Like, why? I do not know. I was not on board with it. It was... I did not enjoy it. And the kind of sing-song horror movie, like, four yep. plus four is eight. Yep. I was like, what? It was the? very bizarre, I have to say. Like, the whole setup, the whole context, the whole, like, backstory, the... Yeah, it was a very weird song. Who is Charles in context to this school? Is he like a groundskeeper? Is he like Freddy Krueger to these children? Like It just didn't make any sense, especially because before that you had Kermit say to Scooter, get everyone ready for the final number. And then it's a weird silhouette like school and like there's not really apart from the worm you can't see anyone else it just it doesn't make sense did either of you get a vibe of you know where the tree and these sort of stuck in plastic flowers and the backdrop gave me really severe wizard of oz on the yellow brick road vibes you know when i get into the kind of more foresty bit and you get like maybe seven (laughs) trees and then it's a painted backdrop and some stuck in flowers it just gave me real it Aussie Do you know what vibes? it also reminds me of? The original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, yeah. when they're in like inside and you've got the chocolate river and the weird yeah. like eatable the chocolate plants room. and they're clearly like cardboard and it's like, mmm, tastes like candy. <laughs> yeah, the one toadstool that can actually, you can scoop stuff out of and everything else is just <laughs> probably asbestos. I honestly, I was so disturbed by this. I found it very, very creepy. The children singing the arithmetic and then whatever he was singing about the inchworm and the marigolds and whatever, like the whole thing, I just honestly thought we were about to launch into some Jordan Peele nightmare inverted <laughs> world where like the children were going to come out and they were actually going to be, you know, your doppelgangers or something. I mean, I just, oh I was freaked out and I did not, I just could not get on board with it at all the inchworm little moppet was quite clever it was you know it was moving its little head around it was it nuzzled the palm of yeah it was nuzzling it was it was inching along but not enough for me to be unscathed (laughs) by this i genuinely think i'm probably going to be having nightmares about this and yeah i was not not a fan to be fair i did write in my notes i am no longer attracted to charles (laughs) That's one of one of your shorter crushes there, Lewis, eh? A whole <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> There's been shorter. <laughs> I think it was the combination of the song, the backing singers, and actually his horrible peach shirt that he was wearing. Yeah. It was a really ugly shirt. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't I can't defend this one. I've defended a lot of this episode, but this yeah, this was a no hoper. It was trying to do that kind of 
sincere Muppet number. You know, like the way that Sandy Duncan ended her mm. episode. But this just went past sincere, past syrupy into sinister. Ooh, that's a lot of alliteration there. Kudos, Lewis. No, it was. It was totally sinister. It was alarming. So it's a Danny Kay song that he sang in the Hans Christian Andersen film. I do not know the song, but apparently lots of people have covered it and it's considered like a bit of a classic, but not in my book. <laughs> not in my book. Also, just so you both know, it's coming back. When Danny Kay comes to the Muppet Show, he performs it. And I believe Charles Aznavour comes back to do <laughs> it again. Friggin' loved it, did Charles Aznavour. <laughs> we can never escape. No, not until at least season three. We're going to watch it again. But it's, I think it's different. But yes, yeah, we're going to be held in our chairs by those Muppet humans, just like <laughs> us struggling with like our mouths tied by gags, while Charles Aznavour and Danny Kay like slowly bring the inchworm towards <laughs> us. <laughs> so, all, all, I mean, yes, again, all in all, the back half and everything essentially after the talk spot to me was sadly lacking. Now, hang on, at the very last moment, at the goodbyes. Charles came on with a fabulous jacket. No, Lewis, that jacket was hideous. No, it was gorgeous. Emma, what did you do? To be honest, I don't remember the jacket. (laughs) (laughs) It was hideous. (laughs) No, it was... I would buy that in a second. I'd buy the full suit of that jacket. No, Lewis, no. I love a bold (laughs) suit. I love it. It's one of the reasons I'm gutted Top Matters clothes, because where am I going to get my ugly, gorgeous suits from? There's bold, and then there's like, I don't even know what. I I didn't even really fully know how to describe it, other than I wrote down Charles Aznavour in crazy, that's underlined, (laughs) red purple jacket. I loved it. It was like a sort of bit tie-dye, a bit kind of like... I loved it. I thought it was great. But then we, so we get a gorgeous jacket and the return of the French bread. And I was like, yay, episode saved. (laughs) I liked that he said that he'd made friends with the French bread. That made me happy. I hope he got to keep that puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because he didn't get a little mini Charles Aznavour Muppet. So instead he got the French bread. (laughs) Exactly, you know. Well, I am going to be very interested to see how we each individually rate this episode. But before that, we have to do our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, who was your MVMP for the week? Well, I did have to think about this a little bit this week. And to be honest, there were a couple that I I was going to choose, but then I thought you were probably going to choose them. So <laughs> I decided to go for Mildred purely because yeah! purely because her little dance with Charles whilst he's singing the old fashioned way. She just goes for it. She's like, this is my time to shine. I'm going to dance. I'm going to love it. She's clearly <laughs> having the time of her life. And she kind of reminds me of like, you know, when you see those films or TV shows where it's like the librarian and then they make her over and then she goes to like... Yeah. <laughs> club or something and like meets her future husband it had that kind of vibe and i love that vibe so yeah Um, (laughs) that's essentially my life um so yeah (laughs) it's like um emma you are not a spinster librarian (laughs) no it reminds me of like baby mama when she like dresses her up and they go clubbing Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so yeah, my um, MVMP for this week is Mildred. I was just going to say, I think we must all acknowledge 
that Mildred's redemption in this episode from being somebody whose presence we always resented every time a ballroom sketch would start. I'd see her and I'd be like, oh Christ, it's a ballroom sketch. To in one week becoming your MVMP ever. I mean, that's the kind of character growth we all dream of, frankly. (laughs) That it just takes 26 minutes to turn people around. Meteoric rise to fame of Mildred. (laughs) A star is born. I just wanted it noted. Anyway, uh, Jade, who was your MVMP for the week? Well, I'm pretty sure we've gone with the same one, Lewis, because I went with the French bread. Because I just... I I think there was some good work going on with Gonzo and Piggy, and there were moments, and I did consider Mildred as well, because the same as you, I was like, this is the first time we've obviously seen her kind of come into her own and not just be a dancing Muppet. But... The French bread was just adorable and I loved it. And that and Gonzo smashing the rock and saying art were definitely my two favourite moments of the whole episode. So I was like, yay, French bread. Just so cute. As I just said a second ago, I'm very glad that Charles made a friend when he came to the Muppet show. Like, what more could you possibly want? So, Lewis, who's your MVMP? Scooter. (laughs) No, of course... (laughs) Of course it's French bread. Um, I I did almost wonder that it might be Miss Piggy, because I know I said previously that I'm waiting for Piggy to be the Miss Piggy Mm -hmm. that I know and love. But actually, this Miss Piggy was so horny that actually (laughs) that was kind of unrecognisable as well. So... (laughs) Well, but it's still fabulous. So, of course, of course, I'm choosing the sentient carb, like, (laughs) with a funny accent. Um, French bread. I really, really hope they make a return. I don't know if they will, but then again, I didn't think the sentient banana would ever come back. And we've had three appearances of sentient banana. What a joy. What a what a time to be alive for talking food. I'm, I'm living. I'm being fed, as the kids say. The, the Muppet Show is serving and I'm being fed and now I'm doing Vogue hands. Anyway, <laughs> 28 years old. All right, uh, let's do our ratings for the week. I'm very interested to see how this goes. And Jade, I'm going to go to you first. What would you give this episode? I'm giving this episode four and a half Hilda's ha-has. What? Um, Lewis is in shock. There was half the episode that I just didn't really enjoy. So I'm giving the four and a half to the majority of the half of the episode that I did solidly enjoy. Between the disturbing humanoid Muppets, the sinister inchworm, (laughs) the frankly quite flat panel discussion, and then the Fozzie Bear sketch, which I just sort of was a bit like, meh. You know, I did, I genuinely enjoyed a lot of the Gonzo stuff. I loved the French bread. I loved the talk spot. It just wasn't enough for me to really love this episode. Yeah, I just think they're still, they're still finding the characters and they are getting there. But actually there wasn't enough of the kind of chaotic Muppet mayhem or enough of the really, really strong character development for me to fall in love with this episode in the way that I have definitely fallen in love with some of the other ones even when you know there's been some other bits going on that we've not been 100% sure about so four and a half Hilda's ha-has Emma how about you where where are you going with this week's episode well for this week I decided to give it five out of ten veterinarian hospitals hey (laughs) (laughs) purely because you know it's back and Dr Bob made an appearance 
Um, yeah, I felt like it was a very middle-of-the-road episode. There were some really good bits. Like, the runner was very solid this week. There was some good character development. And like I said earlier on, like, Mildred literally went to the stratosphere in this episode, quite frankly. <laughs> Emma's um, new icon, Mildred. <laughs> Mildred is an icon. Um, but, like, the back end of the episode, like you said, Jade, I think it just kind of... Even though I did enjoy this like fuzzy comedy act with Statler Mordorf, I just think the sort of like inchworm bit and like UK spot and it just had its kind of like little weak points here and there throughout. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think this this week I'm going to give the episode five out of ten. And how about you, Lou? Well, I am going to give the episode six and a half adorable nuzzling inchworms out of ten. <laughs> I take all the points you have made. There is some truly horrifying imagery in this episode. But the fact that I enjoyed the episode despite them means that the rest of this episode must be really strong. So, despite the fact we have that terrifying final song, despite the fact that we have those creepy human Muppets, (laughs) despite the fact we have the Hick Muppets, Every single other bit of this episode really worked for me on a character point of view, on a guest utilization point of view, on actual punchlines, on, you know, fun little one-off French bread. Like, you know, it just really worked. And had those other three sketches worked, I would have been putting it even higher. So this is me being measured. So six and a half (laughs) adorable nuzzling inchworms out of ten. What a, this has been the first episode where we've really had mixed feelings. It's quite yeah. we've usually been quite uniform. I wonder how many more episodes like this we uh, we might get. I still feel at this point it's really hard to tell just because a lot of the times I mean, you know, we've had some really great episodes like Connie Stevens and Rita Moreno, but then we've also had episodes where, you know, like Joel Grey that none of Love. us have really enjoyed. I feel like they still haven't found their kind of rhythm fully, so it's hard to know, you know, whether or not this is a one off that we're not all on the same page or whether it is the case that actually because they're still finding their footing there's there are going to be more episodes that one of us really enjoys and the others don't or two enjoy and one don't or whatever so yeah i time will tell i suppose time will tell je ne regrette rien <laughs> la vie en rose jade why don't you uh, close us out with a little muppet philosophy yes i will do so This is taken from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. And it's a little segment which starts with a quote from Bernie Brillstein, who was Henson's agent. And then it goes on. I'm just going to read a little segment and it goes on to talk about an anecdote from Brian Henson, both talking, of course, about the wonderful Jim Henson. So Brillstein said he was grand in this strange, quiet way. His love was unbounded. And then the book continues. Jim's faith in his fellow man was unbounded too. Jim rarely, if ever, locked his car. And if anything were ever stolen, he would simply shrug and say, someone must have needed it. Even after his wallet was stolen from the front seat of his Jaguar, yet another in a long line of flashy cars, Jim refused to get angry. Instead, he saw it as another teachable moment. And Brian Henson remembered his father launching into a mock sermon at the breakfast table, speaking in inflated tones on the value of forgiveness. My car was broken into and things were stolen, Jim told his family, speaking in the voice he would always use for his most self-important characters. But I realise I have a very wonderful life, I have plenty of money, and whoever it was who stole my wallet needs it more than me, so I find it in my heart to forgive them. 
While their father might make fun of himself a little bit at these moments, said Brian, his intention was to teach a lesson. It's lovely. Jim Henson on the power of forgiveness there. (laughs) Yes, and the idleness of the rich. Thank you so much for listening to Muppetsational. (laughs) Not idleness, it's uh, just the, you know, well, of course it's not a problem for him, he's got a freaking jaguar. (laughs) God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppet Sational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you so much. Oh, mercy for joining us this uh, week. No, don't remember anything else. <laughs> uh, I've been Lewis Chandler. Sorry, I thought you were going to keep talking then. I've been Jake Turner. I was waiting for some more French to come out, to be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) And I've been Emma Chandler, and I'm not going to attempt any French. So there we go. We can't speak French, so we'll let the funky music that's playing do the talking. Goodbye, everybody. See you next week on Muppet Sational. Bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>